Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Coming up in Le Boge, Payet's prowess and the stingiest defence in Europe boost OM's case to be best supporting actor. Aussie men and Sanchez carry Lille to the brink of the podium. There are ructions at Rennes, and we hear exclusively from Angel Di Maria and what he really thinks of Ligue 1. Plus, Deja Who, our ever popular weekly brain teaser. But where else could we start but with another storming Sunday match? Paris Saint Germain against Olympique Lyonnais, your commentator. Robbie Thompson. Against Marcel, Di Maria, here he comes. Oh, and he scored! He's beaten Anthony Lopez at his near post. Oh, he's still going at Cardi and he's helped it on its way to Mernier. The early pass for Mbappe! And that's 2-0. Nicely done, Mbappe. Is he going to hit the afterburners? The pass for Draxler. The cutback, oh, and there's nobody there. Draxler gets it back, oh! It's a spectacular own goal. Thiago Mendes. Shirky's first time ball for Terrier. And it's in. And perhaps there could be something else on the cards as well. As here goes Carl Tocco Akambi. Streaking away for Dembele. And they have done. Oh, look at the space here for Di Maria. Now Cavani. Edinson Cavani. the players of the Paris Saint-Germain squad who come to celebrate with El Matador. Another amazing Sunday match for you to commentate, Robbie. We're in your flats here. Uh, welcome to Le Beaujeu. Well, I should welcome myself to your place. <laughs> nice uh, nice outfit as well. I, I like that you've taken the style tips from Neymar on the red carpet, the all-white, the yellow jacket, the funny hat. I don't know. Good look. Thank you, thank you, Dave. Yes, uh, very good match last night. Um, and I just uh, speaking of fashion, I'll just show you my latest addition to the collection. It's a Leandro Paredes shirt from last night's game. Uh, we had an interview with him. You could have named any player there because we haven't got the I webcam could, up actually. and working yet, and you went for Leandro Paredes. <laughs> you were honest, which is good. Uh, I but, like him, and I think he's a he's an underrated player. He just needs to well, like all footballers, and I think this is a. A misconception, and we spoke about it last season when Shupo had his brain fade, stopping the ball on the line, and everyone saying he's a rubbish player. The thing that that differentiates a, a, a rubbish player in inverted commas and a, and a great player is that just the fact that they feel very comfortable and at home and inspired in the situation they are, and that allows them to play great football and be a player. And you see players that fail to perform at certain clubs, and then. Transfer and everything suddenly. Well, they're, Leonardo they're would like player. this, Robbie, because he was complaining about negativity, and you're bringing a positive approach to this. But Armel, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm looking for some negativity now. Paris Saint Germain won four two. They were three nil up, but then they let Leon back into the game, and that's something they can't afford to do or can't afford to play like that when they take on Borussia Dortmund in a week's time. Yeah, and I think it'd been very interesting if Dembele, Musa Dembele, had scored from that cutback a few minutes after Leon's second. The game switched in emphasis two or three times last night but it's not exactly yeah reassuring going into the Dortmund game and I don't know I've seen some PSG fans sort of likening the current situation to the one last season just before they got knocked out of the Champions League a sort of false sense of confidence Neymar having a nap in the stands and 
you know. Well, no, there's no. It's not. It's not false confidence. You can only keep winning your games, can't you? I mean, is it? What do you, would you prefer? Everyone prefer that they were losing games, or and to prepare for a for a big one. And I think honestly, this is going to be a spectacular tie because Dortmund concede more goals than Paris yeah, concede, they lost four, three, and also score. So yeah. you know, you've got two sides that love to attack, that can score four or five goals in a game easily and concede three or four or five goals as well. So look, it's going to be a shootout. <laughs> I decided to leave the introductions until after Robbie's commentary clip and I forgot to introduce Armel Tongi properly. That was Armel Tongi just before. Now we're going to hear from Joachim Barbier. Uh, delighted to welcome you back to the show, Joachim, for your second appearance, I think. Uh, author and journalist with the excellent French magazine SoFoot. Joachim, where do you stand on it? Positive or negative? Do we need to listen to Leonardo's monologues or are there things to be worried about? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, especially you just mentioned him, uh, uh, the way Dortmund lost at Leverkusen. Uh, Paris won 4-2, uh, um, Dortmund lost 4-3. And I think the difference uh, with Paris, that obviously they, uh, they conceded two goals uh, last night, but they didn't have, uh, they didn't show like this um, feeling of panic that they had sometimes the mm. season before when, you know, they were uh, losing and it, it looks like you know they can they have the this probably the this capacity this ability to score at any time you know even last night without Neymar Mbappe was so so at the moment but uh, he scored a lovely goal but didn't do a lot else no it just uh, yeah it's, it's it's a bit weird at the moment I don't know it's uh, the other day I think he had a a week of media and where mm. he was telling to everybody that uh, he can't walk outside anymore because he's such a big star now. So, I'm, I'm, you know, we are journalists. We are, I'm not going to say that's the, because of the media. But <laughs> there's, um, I think he, he is probably, it's probably uh, the job of Leonardo of Tuchel the, to, to keep his feet down on the ground. And but that's just, what Leonardo said that last night, yeah. didn't he? He said, look, this has been dealt with internally. We, you know, mm. And the club... And I, I, I'm, I'm not privy to what goes on behind closed doors between Neymar and Leonardo and Thomas Tuchel, but mm. I do see what happens at the club. And they are working the whole time. It's just because you don't see it between 90 minutes, between kick-off mm. and final whistle, and someone spits the dummy when they're, when they're substituted or someone's not happy. It doesn't mean that they're not talking the whole time. They do. They're training they do. seven days a week. They're yeah. do, doing everything they can to try and be... The biggest club they can be. Yeah, and it's it's something that every club is doing the whole time. It's silly just to think maybe they go in the wrong direction. Maybe sometimes people make the wrong decision or make a mistake. Mm. But the the thought process and the, they're permanently trying to be the best mm. football clubs they can be. So I'm going to bring out another negative here though, mm. and I'm going to name the negative. President Kimpembe wore the captain's <laughs> armband last night. He had a, a bit of a shocker at Nantes in midweek. Paris Saint Germain still won, and last night he was so shaky. He, he was being done for pace. And that's something that Dortmund have plenty of. He's he's a he's a funny player because there's no doubt he's a good footballer. But it strikes me that every time he does two or three things well in a game, goes to his head. He just gets a rush of blood and suddenly thinks he can dribble the whole team. Suddenly thinks he can make a 25 yard sliding tackle. It's he's I don't know. He's it's, he's been playing a lot. He was wearing the captain's armband last mm. night. Not the first time either. No. Doesn't have the mentality of someone that should be leading a team like Paris Saint Germain for me. He seems very young still in his approach to football. I'm looking at Robbie because yeah, I know yeah, you're yeah. going to defend him. But I, I need Thiago Silva and Marquinhos back. Definitely. What I'm definitely. You yeah. do, but where's, where's Marquinhos going to play now? Because Gay and Verratti are looking a good combination now in that mm. two-man in midfield as well, which means Marquinhos will come back in the centre of defence. 
mm. I assume, alongside that Thiago solves Silva. the Kimpembe problem. Well, yeah, I think you're being. I mean, I always say you're always being harsh. Mm. <laughs> so he played well, did he? Last no, no, I don't Nantes. think. No, and I don't think. Well, against Nantes, I don't think he was bad until that flick, that flick behind the leg that let uh, Nantes uh, score the goal, mm. and which then caused Paris into. If if Joachim saying that he didn't feel the panic last night, I think against Nantes there was a a little bit of panic in the last fifteen minutes. Um, last night the difference was Paris quickly got things back under control. The last half hour you don't see Leon again mm. in the match, and Paris could have scored many more goals before Cavani got his one hundred ninety ninth for for PSG. Look, Presnel, I think he's improved a lot this year in terms of his concentration, in terms of his maturity. He's he's got a, a kid who's growing up. He's a he's a dad now. He doesn't dye his hair every colour. He doesn't carry on in public being the clown like he did last season um, when he had just freshly won the World Cup. He is trying to be, I think, a, a more mature person. I think the club have faith in him to become like a, a long-term captain of the side. He's very proud of the fact that he's that he came up through the youth academy, mm. that he's uh, that he is Paris Saint Germain, that he represents something for the club. And look, he does have these little moments where where he gets caught out, where that, concentration di- wavers. That perhaps. pride and coming through the academy worked well for Ariola, didn't it? It was Buffon's mistake last year, though, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, let's get away from the negativity. <laughs> Leonardo would hate what we're saying, uh, but. Uh, Joachim, what Leonardo did say when speaking to French TV last night, it was quite an impressive, more or less a monologue. He, he might have been up for an Oscar for that. He didn't really let anyone on the panel get a word in. But um, he was saying that with Neymar and Mbappe there, Paris Saint-Germain have two of the best four players in the world. But he also said it's not a matter of life and death that they go out in the last 16 of the Champions League. We understand that football is an entertainment. It's, it, it entertains us. It is something to occupy us. It's not life and death. But... If you've got two of the best four players in the world, you've got to get through the last 16 match, haven't you? Yeah, but I think the best way is um, is, is to not forget that uh, football is a game. Mm. You're giving emotion to people. It's not the end of the day. You know, it's not about uh, it's nothing about Syria or whatever has happened in the, in the world. And I think that Leonardo feels that, especially the media, the public opinion is putting too much pressure on Paris because of what happened the, the previous season. And before it's becoming some kind of a, of a syndrome, for example, like Mexico in the World Cup would never go through uh, the last round of 16. Just say, okay, this is football and we know we, we, we had a good game and, uh, you know, it's just, just, ha- just have fun, you know, because I think it's the best way uh, to make great things in a way. Just and not forget that it's, just, a, it's a game. Just got to thank Joachim for citing the plight of Mexican national team football because for me they are one of the greatest mes- national teams that play in World Cups every we'll year. We'll launch a from, side podcast. From 1994, 1998, every time they deserve to go to at least the quarterfinals. I, I want to so. talk about France, probably. So, um, I thought one of the interesting things I picked up on in Leonardo's talk last night is he said, if, if Paris Saint-Germain is successful, France is successful. We're doing this for France. And when I first moved to France, nearly 20 years ago, I found it strange because French people backed any French club in Europe. Mm-hmm. If you take apart maybe the OM, mm-hmm. Paris Saint-Germain rivalry, whereas I was used to growing up in England where you always wanted the opposition team to lose mm-hmm. and you didn't care unless it helped the coefficient at the end of the season so more teams could qualify. Do you think France is behind Paris Saint-Germain now or is that too much to ask? There's two kind of... Uh, of People, when you read in uh, you know social media, there's obviously still 
rivalries, for example, uh, uh, I'm sure that some supporters from Nantes, they, they, they're happy if Rennes is kicked out of the uh, Europa League, you know. Mm. But at the same time, there's, yeah, there's, uh, there's as well some people think that nationally, okay, it's uh, more points, more, uh, you know, more clubs, because, you know, France is struggling, you know, in Europe always, mm. you know. So there's uh, some kind of a, a pragmatic way of seeing things, and it's what Ronaldo uh, uh, recalled. Is there is there more to it? Is it the fact that it's overseas backing that you know people don't appreciate the fact back in the day most of the backing in the French league was French based, the financial backing, and this is coming perhaps people aren't seeing the actual financial I've benefits. I've got a little question it. for you actually, a little break mm. teaser before we get on to Deja Vu later, because I, I realised I was at what I think was the last Borussia Dortmund Paris Saint Germain game to take place in Dortmund, which was in the Europa League mm-hmm. in the autumn 2011, of 2010. 2010 mm-hmm. Yeah. And it finished one all, and I'd like you to guess who were the strikers for Paris Saint Germain that day away in Dortmund. Just who leave that with you while we talk about oh. something else, and then we'll come back to it. Uh, Angel Di Maria was brilliant again last night. He scored mm-hmm. six, set up nine in his last 14 league games, and many would argue that he's not just Paris Saint Germain's player of the year so far, but Ligue 1's player of the year. He's been terrific. They'll need him to be at his best against Dortmund. But I think we should talk a bit about Lyon while you're thinking about the Paris Saint-Germain strike force. <laughs> because they'd won every game in 2020 until just over a week ago. And now the wheels have fallen off spectacularly again with only one point from their last three games. And they're so far back now in terms of their bid to qualify for the Champions League again next year. They're eight points behind Rennes, who are third. And they're 16 behind Marseille now. They were four points behind Marseille when Rudy Garcia succeeded Silvino. What did we think of them last night, Robbie? I thought Leon started very well, but I think it was more just the 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 motivation and the to to start a match strongly. Rudy Garcia is a man motivator. I think I don't think he's a tactical genius in in so far as so when things are going well, and we we spoke about this uh, before on the pod, but. When he started at Roma, things were going very well at Marseille. When the things were going very well at Lille, things were going very well. He's a, a coach that can ride a wave, can get his side on confidence and playing well. But when things go start turning against them, it's more difficult. The fact that there's no Memphis Depay or Jeffrey in Adelaide is a huge handicap for this side because they don't have a whole lot of creativity outside of those two players. They have Usemawa, who's a, who's a fine young player. They have... Toko Akembi now, who came off the bench to great effect, who's fast, but he's not... Should he's, he not have started ahead of the 16-year-old Ryan Shirky? Definitely. Ryan Shirky is a player of incredible potential, but that was his first ever league on start. It's, perhaps the game was a little bit too big, but I, I saw his cup game against Nantes, where he scored two and set up two and won a mm. penalty, and he was exceptional in that game. And he, you know, you have to start somewhere. I don't think people mm. should jump on his back either for, for having a, a, a poor game. He's... He's a kid with a, a clearly a lot of talent and a full beard at just 16 and he a just, half. He didn't do the simple things last night. He was too aware of the slow motion cameras trying yeah. to flick it around. I did have the feeling he was often looking mm. at what, uh, off to the bench the whole time during the game as well. As though Garcia he, was talking to him a yeah. lot. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. No, yeah. Look, maybe Toko Akambi should have started, but look, that, that's a coach's job to make those decisions. And depending on what happens... On, on the field, everyone can look back and say, no, it should mm. have been different. Leon are in every competition... Don't forget. And we know that yeah, they're in the, the Champions League. League. They've got a big game coming up. Saint-Germain. They've got Marseille exactly. in the cup in the quarterfinals this coming midweek. And they've got Juventus in the last 16 of the Champions League. So. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, they're doing well. They're, they're a good team. They're having a good season. 
Apart not, from in the league. Yes, but they're four points <laughs> off uh, fifth place or fourth place. Montpellier, they need to finish top three. Anyway, Dembele has scored nine goals in 2020 and he has definitely taken on responsibility since departing <coughs> when Adelaide's injury. But as Armel said earlier, he missed the big chance for 3-3 and there are still doubts because he hasn't got a Champions League goal this season about whether he's a real top, top level striker. Mm. Joking. How old is he? 24 now, I think. Okay. Yeah, but uh, so we, we like can, to play. Can, it's good you mention this. Exactly, we always like to play a guess the age game, and we're well. usually quite bad. <laughs> yeah, twenty four in July. Okay, so he's not twenty four yet. No. Yeah, and is he still in the France under twenty one team then? Well, no. that is, <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there. Yeah, it's, well, it's a tricky one sometimes. Forty six year old Paul Bernardoni. <laughs> um, nobody is. Uh, you can't. You can't build uh, a system or an organization around a player like that. is is good, but it's not, you know, great. Yeah. But I think it's it's better in a four four two organization with someone with different profiles. That's why when the pay uh, was around, that was the the combination worked pretty pretty well. Yeah. With two wingers, is is always you always feel like it's very lonely. You know, he doesn't have this capacity to create. Uh, a space by himself. Uh, it's mostly like a, a player. You give him the ball, and like twenty or thirty meters, he can make the, the difference. But um, he's um, he's very complete. Very complete. Yeah, I, I think, think he's so. too. I think he's, he's a. He's not. It's very... not like a show off player. Say, wow, is it? It's just a yeah, a very complete for football player. I don't know if he's gonna, you know, yeah. go to another well, I level. Think he's, I think, and I said it and got some strange looks the other day. I think he's like a bit like a poor man's Karim Benzema. In that I think he's quite a complete player. I'm going to give you another player. strange look. Yeah. <laughs> another, another strange look from, from yeah. Dave. M- much but, less of a playmaker than Benzema. He's yeah, more but of Benzema a... is a complete player as well and looks to bring other players into the game. Yeah. I think there's something Dembele can do, which is make the difference in that last 20, 20 yards. More mm. than a Mauro Icardi, for example. Who we, well, you, we can just you do that any less in... than Mauro Icardi? He's got to yeah. be inside the six-yard box to score. He's yeah. got a lovely chip from outside the box. It's just it was, he was, was two metres offside. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone got any... Thoughts on the, the strike pairing in Dortmund in 2010? I know that I think Guillaume Waro came off the bench to he set did. up Clement Chanton for the equaliser. Oh, <laughs> and I know. Erding, yes. Yes. Because they Paris had won their first two and they weren't tr- really putting out first team, first team in this. Uh, I'll in give this you a clue for the other one. Dortmund. He also played for Lyon. Peggy. Yeah. Okay. Peggy. And yeah. So that, that's the difference. <laughs> As we move through the Qatari yeah. ownership era. Well, Peggy was a France international as well, wasn't he? Yeah. A good, yeah, good, really? good footballer. Guillaume Wago, a France international. Yeah. Wow. Mevler Turkey international. And Vikash Dorasso, best friend. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the two outlaws. scored one goal for Paris Saint-Germain. Vikash. Do you, do you yeah. remember when that was, everyone? Uh, no. Cup final. Cup final against Marseille. The match mm. of the century, yeah. 2006. And what a goal it was. I think we're getting a bit niche here. There is cup games coming up. There are cup games, to speak proper English, coming up in midweek. Paris Saint-Germain going to Dijon and Lyon against Olympique de Marseille in the Olympico. Uh, we do love to hear from you, so do get in touch. Podcast at gmail.com or Twitter at Ligan underscore English. Hashtag Le Beaujeu. Um, last night at the Parc de France, something rather special happened. We have regular listeners from the United States, many of them, and two of them, Tom and Lynn were here on their honeymoon and Le Beaujeu fixed it for them to go to the Parc de France and brave the Rafale or the Raphael as I like to call them, the strong winds. <laughs> and they managed to enjoy the game and very nicely they handed over a personal card to Robbie at the stadium. I'm just going to read a, a little bit from it. 
Um, they say, tonight perfectly encapsulates not only how wonderful you are on a personal level, but also your dedication and passion for the fans as well. Your generosity has floored us. I have and will continue to tell friends and fans alike about Le Boja podcast. That's the sort of thing we like to hear. Lovely. Thank you, Carter. Thank you very much, Tom Lynn. We hope you enjoyed your evening at the Parc des Princes. Um, it means, means we can move on neatly to rating us. You should go on to your favourite downloading of the podcast places and give us a rating whether you like us or not just sort of base it on what you do when you use those popular taxi hailing applications rather than when you're rating someone out of 10 like Lakeep do so start with a high base that's all you ask I never 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 rate a, 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 a taxi driver I never rate anyone it's actually, their livelihood at stake Robbie you've got to give them 5 out of 5 mm-hmm. otherwise they don't get the jobs so basically yeah. that's what we're looking for um, okay Anyway, you might but if think, I did, I would give five stars, obviously. Yes. <laughs> you might think there's only one league and commentator because we're going to hear from Robbie Thompson again as Lille are on a good run now and they're challenging for the podium. They were Angers over the weekend. The ball again for Monceau. Angers born and bred, Vincent Monceau. Been at the club since he was seven years old. He's been flattened there by Gabriel. The flag stayed down. Aussie man! It's a lovely finish. And now Lille can break it. Luis Arrujo, he's very quick. Look at the space, the overlapping numbers. Here's Renato Sanchez. Sanchez still! And that's it now, surely. So Lille 2-0 winners at Angers with goals from Aussie men and Sanchez. But Aussie men did go off injured late on in that game and is a major doubt at least for the Olympique de Marseille game coming up at the weekend. Lille are fourth, only a point behind Rennes now and they've won seven of their last ten. But if Aussie men's badly hurt, Rob, that could seriously hamper their chances of top three finish, couldn't it? Absolutely, although Loic Remy has been showing some some signs of life even the last few (laughs) weeks, which is uh, great because it's his second season. People may not know who has... Oh God, 32? 33. Oh, OK, not bad. Um, and he's their top paid player, according to yes, Lekip's salary uh, revelations but, um, last year. Well, and I'm, not, I'm not sure how that. accurate they are, those Lekip uh, salary estimations, perhaps. But Loic Remy, this is second season at Lille. He was there last year, which uh, some people don't, don't realise because he didn't play very seven much. seven goals. He did, and, he, and he's getting amongst the goals now. I think that's four in the league this season. He's got season, ten yeah. all competitions. Yeah, and he's scoring in the return. cup. Yeah, yeah. He's been scoring this year, since 2010. Uh, 2020, rather. Um, Ozyman does leave a, a hole up front. Um, I, I was thinking about this Lille side from the team because they were far superior to Angers. Angers were very disappointing. I think they've only won one in their last mm. 10 or, or, or more now in Ligue 1. Um, and they're an organised side. They, they should be a better side than, than they are. They work on a small budget. They've, been, they've had some off-field issues in the last week which have, which have caused them a few perhaps to lose a little bit of concentration. But for Lille, they lost Thiago Mendes, they lost Rafael Leal, they lost Pepe, but they've brought in players like Benjamin Andre, who's a solid player in midfield, Renato Sanchez, who's an excellent player in midfield, Aussie men up front. I don't think they're, they're necessarily a lesser side than they were last season, that Jose Font is still there at the back. They've got that Selic is there. They've got they've got quality players, and I think they, there's no reason why they can't. You know, let's talk about their record now. signing. Renato Sanchez, Joachim, and Armel has 
improved massively since he first came in, whether he's playing wide or centrally, as he did mm -hmm. at the weekend. He scored his second league goal at Angers and starting to look a lot more like the, the teenager who dazzled Europe and won Euro 2016. Yeah, <clears throat> um, I don't know if um, um, is, 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 is better, if he's more confident, or it's just the difference of level between a club like Bayern Munich or on Lille. Uh, but he looks like a player mm -hmm. again, yeah. you yeah. know, and uh, a very good one. Um, but I think that what I was saying, Rob, is about Lille. It's a club that, you know, um, frankly admit and said that they, they want to do some trading, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking about, uh, you know, you need a little bit of stability. You know, See, if every year, every season you sell the best player, Ossiman probably is going to go, going to be sold to England. Uh, uh, at the end of the season, but you know they've got the, the, the capacity to to be in Champions League every every season. You know they, they, they could finish third. So it's like you're selling your best player and then you buy. Yeah, you know, their owner Gerard Lopez says this is basically while they're yeah. reversing the debt, isn't it? So yeah. he wants there to be a limit in the next couple of years. They do enough trading that they can start operating from a. a a zero base, as it were. But we know that Bubakare Sumare turned down a, a 40 million euro plus move to Newcastle. Mm. And I'd say that Sanchez on current form is better than Sumare. Sanchez cost half that. So their trading model is working. But as we saw at Monaco, sometimes you can hit limits with this yeah. when you're trying to identify the, yeah. the talent and sell it off expensively. The, the key, and that is to find the right balance, isn't it? To sell yeah. certain players, but keep a, a structure, keep... Keep your Loic Remy, your, your Jose Fonts, your now Benjamin Andres, perhaps keep experienced players who also represent something in the in the squad, and it makes it easier for new players when they come in. Ozyman has come from Belgian football as well, yeah. So yeah. he's a you know he's already had that first experience in a in a foreign country mm -hmm. without the language. Now he comes to France. It's not the biggest change to come from Belgium to France as well. So that explains perhaps why he's settled more quickly than, say, a, a Rafael Leao, who took six months when he arrived from, from sporting last year. But look, that, the thing is to, to strike the right balance. How, how did Nico Gaetan look on Friday? Oh, look, he got 10 minutes right. at, at the end. He played at left midfield. Mm. Um, he, he looks like a 32-year-old who's come from American football. Yeah. <laughs> Can I, in, and I say that in, in all positivity. <laughs> as well but I'm not sure what Tom and Lynn would have to say about that <laughs> look we, I think you have to wait and see about Nico Gaetan he, for some, for, he's obviously played 250 games for Benfica and was a star at Benfica but that's a, a few years now he didn't play much at Atletico then went to China with Dalian then now Chicago Fire but if, if Lille have brought him in it means they think he can do a job yeah. well, I'm thinking about the what's his name the Turkish young winger Selek Yazici. 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 Yeah. He's a very good player. Yeah, you absolutely. can see. But absolutely. he doesn't play much. And, you know, he was, uh, yeah. I think he was a star at, uh, where, where, where is Trabzonspor. Yeah, Trabzonspor. Mm -hmm. So you can see that it's only a question yeah, of uh, adaptation. It's really sad that he yeah. suffered that crucial ligament injury. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but that's the type of player that they can bring in and... And it's perfect for and their And the type of well. player that needs time, a yeah. few months to adapt yeah, to absolutely. new life, new football. Mm. Exactly. And we don't give to players or, or clubs that time much anymore, do no. we? Even mm. a club like Lille, who mm. can operate more out of the spotlight than, say, a Paris Saint-Germain or a Marseille or a Lyon. And, uh, yeah. Well, runners-up last year and they're challenging for a podium finish again. I, I think we should move on to our Deja Who feature. And first of all, 
will clear up last week's Deja Who. I'll just remind everyone uh, of the clues for last week's. So, Deja Who. I played alongside my idol and compatriot who went on to manage Tottenham Hotspur in my first spell in France. I played on either side of the Classique with a five-year gap in between. During that time, my flowing locks probably got some hairdryer treatment from a knight of the realm. Um, we had a number of entries in on the usual channels, leagueandpodcast.gmail.com and in at Twitter, Le Beaujeu, Deja Who, Ligue 1. Am I right with that hashtag? Deja Who, Ligue 1, I think so. Hello. L1. 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 Mm. L1. Okay. So anyway, we, we have had someone who's been winning all the time, uh, a certain Monsieur Brisebois. Um, but this <laughs> week, it's not him. I have a, an email from Gislain Robert. Hi, lads. Always a pleasure to listen to your podcasts. This week, I decided to wear my detective hat and unbury my magnifier to identify Gabriel Heinze as the mysterious Deja Who player. Hopefully, I will not let Mr. Brisebois get his hat trick and win my first trophy. Well, you get a share of the trophy at least, because it is indeed Gabriel Heinze. I was rather tickled by Christoph Zabo's email from Hungary. He's a blogger and pundit at the channel DigiSports, working for the French magazine Sale Kakash. Thankfully, he gave me a, a transliteration of that, because my Hungarian's not the best. He says, anyway, I like your show and your rubric, Deja Who. Who doesn't? And I think the answer is the Argentinian legend, eloquently stylish, eternal fair play prize winner, Gabriel Heinze. Fair play prize winner. I like that. <laughs> <Love> that. <laughs> so, are we ready for this week's Deja Who Clues? Please. Can't wait. I am a British League and title winner. A British League There haven't been many of those, okay. so that, that narrows it down. Mm. I was an artful midfielder who spent... Artful midfielder and British in the same group. Art, who spent two years gracing the Principality. Artful, well, dodger. Than, artful dodger. There'd be more than one artful mm. midfielder at the Principality. My favourite sweets are toffees. I'm a British League and title winner. I was an artful midfielder who spent two years grazing the Principality and my favourite sweets are toffees. Use hashtag DejaHu L1 to Ligue 1 underscore English I think ENG a, a red herring in there. <laughs> on the Twitter feed. So do enjoy sending your answers in for DejaHu. Let's move on to talking about Olympique de Marseille who are on a magnificent run. They've not conceded a goal in 2020. Steve Montfond has been great for them. But so too... Dimitri Payet, and let's hear Armel Tongi's commentary of Olympique de Marseille against Toulouse. Dimitri Payet with a chance to shoot. Oh, brilliant. That's what Marseille needed. Their magic man, Dimitri Payet, finding the corner and unblocking things once again. Dimitri Payet with two winners in successive 1-0 victories. Marseille unbeaten in their last 13, Armel. It wasn't pretty against the poor Toulouse and they might were arguably lucky to take all three points weren't they? Yeah Toulouse looked pretty decent in the first half or at least were allowed to be looked decent by Marseille um, it's it's a strange one really because you know Dario Benedetto hasn't exactly been all inspiring in the, in the past weeks he was missing this weekend with a slight Achilles tendon injury and Dimitri Payet's flashes of brilliance but he equally didn't exactly run the game and that's on a number of occasions this season that he's saved them. Andre Villas-Boas has said a number of times himself that his side are reliant on Dimitri Payet. And You're right, contractually we... obliged to call it Payet Dependence because we're in France. <laughs> Payet Dependency. Dependency, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I think yeah. So, yeah. Right. Or Dependence? Dependence is fine. Yeah, dependency, yeah, right. Okay, I'm glad we cleared that one up. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's, I mean, 
making a mountain out of a molehill because they're second, eight points clear in second place of third place Rennes. So clearly things are going quite well for Marseille. And of course, I'm looking further forward because that's where the entertainment comes. But their defence is rock solid at the moment. It's just lacking that little bit of spark. And although the velodrome for a Marseille-Toulouse was unbelievably full this weekend, which is great to see and fantastic atmosphere, there just needs to be that bit more spark or there's going to be a bit of restlessness. Can I, can I bring back. this back a little bit tongue-in-cheek and say, can you imagine if Paris Saint-Germain had beaten Toulouse by a goal to nil 10 days before Dortmund with Neymar scoring a goal to uh, just paint over the cracks and what a disaster it would have been. <laughs> and my God, my God, my God. But uh, good on André Villas-Boas for saying that they're Payet dependent and, say, and saying it proudly with no... Uh, no he says Barcelona are no, Messi dependent. Exactly. You mentioned the Ronaldo so, dependent. And, it just happens. And there's no, no shame in having a very good footballer. He's now on eight in goals your, for the season. Mm. His career best with OM. Um, six in his last 11 games. And some people, Joe Kim, are talking about a Dimitri Payet France recall. Where do you stand on that? Andre Villas-Boas said it would take injuries before he'd get we know he was very close to the World Cup squad. Yeah, yeah. If he hadn't been injured in that Europa League final, he'd have taken Tovan's place. Yeah, but if you look at his form, obviously you can you can bring him to uh, this tour of Europe. Uh, but after the, the <laughs> is that not a Euro? Then it's, a, it's, a, it's a different. European, you know, it is it's, different. Uh, it's like it's a, different. Munich and Budapest for France already. Yeah. See how they go after that. Portugal, yeah. Germany, and. To Ireland. Be determined. Yeah, Ireland, a possibility to for, be determined. Yeah. Uh-uh. But uh, after there's something else that we know and that. This show is very keen on it. It's the, the, the human dimension, you know. So, and he was going to 2016, at least in the group stage. Yeah. So, but uh, um, Marseille, it reminds me, uh, I had a conversation with uh, Leo Benacker, which is uh, the Dutch coach, and uh, mm-hmm. talking about how would you manage the Quinta del Butre at the time he was at Real Madrid. And he was uh, saying that when you got four or five great players like that, they never. Uh, they're never great the same game. When one underperform, mm. the other one is taking the leadership. Problem with Marseille they, that they, when Payet is not here, you know, is that there's no one else who's yeah. taking his responsibility. They're, at the beginning, Benedetto was that, but Benedetto didn't have any holidays. You know, he flew from. <laughs> no, but actually, you know, he flew yeah, from Buenos Aires. Yeah, yeah Buenos Aires. He started to play. It was great, but now he's tired. He needs some yeah. rest. You know? He's not the only one who's tired, and they're publicly admitting this that, yeah. that Sanson and Rangier aren't covering quite as much. But they've played so much football. Sanson yeah. Rangier played nearly every match, that's ninety minutes. The first time since September that Marseille started without Rangier, no doubt, with the Coupe de France game against Lyon in mind. Yeah. But Radonjic, who's been playing fifteen twenty minutes at the end of games, I've never seen a player of his age look that tired in the first half <laughs> of that football match. He's usually got a motor in him, good but race cars. For, for me, he, for he, me, he did so he many. Has... I commentated the game against Santa Gem midweek, and he did so many sprints in that game. I, I actually yeah. quite like okay. Emmanuel yeah. Radon. I, I like him as well, but I think he has a mental blockage at the moment about starting a match than coming off the bench yeah, yeah, and it yeah, can yeah. happen mm. and I think he did he... score against Santetien that was his first goal as a starter, as a starter I, I said yeah. it was 1-0 it was 2-0 Ravendich scored Lucas like, Moura syndrome yeah exactly yeah. exactly exactly the Luca Moura syndrome yeah they've got that Coupe de France quarterfinal at Lyon on Wednesday it's a big game because Andre Villas-Boas says well, the league is beyond Marseille they can't compete with Paris Saint-Germain he'd love to win a trophy We've got no idea how long Andre Villas-Boas will stick around at Olympique de Marseille, but that becomes a massive game for them in the context of the season with things going so well in the league. Yeah, Lyon will be a tough, tough nut for them to crack, though. 
in the Coupe de France in Lyon as well. But it's all, it comes down to motivation and who wants it more. And Lyon are in the final of the Cup and they also have the Champions League coming up. So mm. maybe this is a little opportunity for Marseille to uh, try and get their hands on some silverware. They'll, they'll play most likely Paris Saint-Germain in the final. Then. <laughs> they haven't won the Coupe de France since the late 1980s. Yeah. And since then, exactly. 1989 have won it. Yeah. And Marseille yeah. have had 27 coaches. Mm. Stats wow. for you. But yeah. uh, that was before the late 80s uh, golden area of Marseille. That was really a cup uh, team. Yeah. In the 70s, yeah. they were always winning cup when they were uh, didn't manage to win uh, a league. But no team, I was looking at this, apart from Saint-Étienne, really, who had that great spell, and Lyon after in the in the noughties, France hasn't had this culture of, of only two teams. The league has always changed. You've always had a Monaco, a Nantes, a, an Auxerre who can come up and win at a, a, a Lens or a Strasbourg. Robbie, it's almost Montpellier. like we know what we're here to talk about. Because I think it's time we hear from <laughs> Angel Di Maria, an exclusive interview on the subject of Ligue 1 being a competitive league and not a farmer's league. <laughs> Teams now know how to play against us. Coaches have started to understand how to beat PSG. There's Marseille, there's Lyon. It's important and I think it improves a league that many feel is weaker than others. But look at the other leagues. Look at England. Liverpool are streets ahead. Yet when we're leading the league, people say the league isn't very strong. Maybe there are less big names here, but the competition is very strong. Angel Di Maria there, having a fantastic season. And very interesting on the level of, of League and now. Um, I admit, I, I see Farmers League written everywhere on social media and I've never really understood what it means. Has anyone got a, a good idea for me? Joachim, you want to talk? Farmers League? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's a, a, a lack or less money than the uh, English Premier League, if it's um, the level of intensity, uh, if it's, um, you know, this small stadium in uh, Ajaccio where you have the, the publicity, the advertising for the local butchers or whatever. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying I like it, you know, yeah, I still like yeah. it. And I, I like, the, I like uh, watching the, yeah, my league, the country I am for, instead of uh, supporting... Uh, um, yeah. And a team. This is what we were saying. It's about a sense of community, yeah. you know. But there's something I, I that think Gengo, yeah. Gengo embraced the idea of being a farmers club. They, yeah. they often have got their, their club, yeah. their, club tractor. They, they, they have a club tractor. Yeah. And, you know, they they <laughs> they love it. They they embrace it. Mm. I think. Well, Armel, I think, has found a definition of what is a... There's a couple, because the Farmers League originally was an ethnic German agrarian political party in Czechoslovakia. But I, I think that's probably moving away <laughs> from a little more what we cover in the podcast. It yeah. So no, it's, a, it's a metaphor. <laughs> Coming from a long way. <laughs> but... Um, but I, well, what I understand is called a Farmers League because uh, the players' uh, full-time job is to take care of their fields and they only play football in the evening once they've uh, sowed the crops. Which some would say is ironic given the quality of league and pitches. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> they're getting better. They are getting there, are, there, better. there are some getting better. But yeah, hopefully yeah. Some, some Maybe are... that's what it's about then because the, the Premier League only has beautiful pitches these days. So if the uh, Farmers League is a criticism that comes mostly from the British Isles, perhaps it's because uh, they feel they have better pitches. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's I think something they're good at. Exactly. <laughs> Let's briefly address um, what Angel Di Maria said there. So Liverpool streets ahead in the Premier League. 
I think they're 22 points clear, whereas Paris Saint-Germain are 12 points clear of Marseille. It's still pretty one-sided, let's be honest. Mm. Um, do we think teams have worked out how to play PSG? No. Well, I, mean, I think... Well, no. When you have a plan, Montpellier had worked it out a couple of times uh, by playing five at the back and trying to press high. We saw Russ when they press high. Weren't they being last time they played? They were last time, yes, mm. but they had a sending off after 15 minutes. But Paris were... And Angel Di Maria described that as a difficult game. You always know you're going to get a difficult game against Montpellier. But Angel, Angel Di Maria, I think, says uh, almost every game is a difficult game. It's one of those but you, automatic you responses. All, mm. You but, always seem yeah. to find 20 minutes or so where a team plays in a very interesting manner against Paris Saint-Germain. Leon last night for a part... OK, there was no name Exactly, on. but it's so hard Garcia to do was it for 90 minutes. He didn't so like hard when you Marseille did the same thing and yeah. they got taken apart. Mm. Yeah. But that's, that's what I was going to say. What Some teams think you should press high. You press high against Paris Saint-Germain, you put them under pressure, they don't like it. Fine, that can work. Like it worked for, for 20 minutes last mm. night. But if you get yourself caught on the counter-attack... Then you're dead. Marseille were picked off. It was it was frightening that first half at the at the Parc des Princes. Lyon were picked off twice last night on counter attacks. Uh, and if you if you're going to try and press high, you have to do it very well. It is a possible solution against this Paris Saint Germain side. But if you don't shore up at the other end, mm. you pay the price. But that's, sometimes when there's a team which is very well organized and managed to uh, prevent them to uh, to be um, uh, dangerous, mm. they. Takes, you know, after they got 50, 60 minutes, they got tired and you yeah, lose concentration. Exactly. Well, yeah. For example, the, the last goal from Cavani last night, uh, it, I think they made 38 yeah, passes yeah, it and it just looked yeah. useless for a while. And then at the end, it just like a, there's um, um, uh, one pass and, and Di Maria is alone. He's, yeah. So yeah. It's, you, you'd never know if it just. It was patient. like watching Paris from five years ago. Yeah, Thiago exactly. Mota it was just, exactly yeah, uh, yeah. Mota and, you know, Laurent Blanc Paris. Yeah. It's like, a, you know, boxing and, uh, and you just yeah. touch it, ba ba ba, and the, the opponent's feeling dizzy and then, pa. So it's very um, almost like. Flow like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I'm Maro Icardi. Yes, well, almost. <laughs> I'm Edinson Cavani. Cavani that was, <laughs> no, it was nice to see Cavani scoring again at the party. Yeah. I have to say, first league goal since August, and that was the biggest reception anyone got that night. Was when he came on and it always scored. is. It always is. Yeah. Let's talk about another striker, Islam Slimani. Mm. He's less of rope dope. I think he'll just go <laughs> for one punch and knock you out. He came off the bench and turned the game. Monaco at the weekend. Him and Ben Yedder back together and Armel, is that something they should do more, particularly now that Jelson Martins is likely to be suspended for the season after pushing a referee? Well, clearly it, it works on the pitch but I mean there are also clearly problems with Islam Slimani's attitude because he's a good enough player to make it in pretty much every club he's played at but it's never quite been the case so you've got to, you've got to ask yourself exactly what's going on with him because I think he was first kind of put aside by Jardim and Robert Moreno didn't exactly take him under his wing as soon as he came in. So, so there's, there's something a there bit... There was even talk that he could be on his way again in January, Absolutely. wasn't there? Leaving I remember Monaco after we were speaking about it on the months. pod yeah. and realising he was still on loan and that they were trying to mm. ship him off somewhere else. Yeah. But, that's I mean, the way John Kevin Augustin ended up at, at Leeds. Leeds, yeah. But he's, he's a good player. He's a good player. He's an experienced player. He's in his early 30s and... You know, with the, the the pace and battle of Ben Yedder alongside an absolute ogre like Slimani, who can just win everything in the air, it's a you know old-fashioned big man, small man. We love that. I love Ben Yedder's goal as well. He missed Brilliant a really goal. easy chance Brilliant earlier, goal. but mm. the 
the speed of his movement from the, the header to smashing the ball past the Amiens goalkeeper uh, was amazing. Hmm. And I think uh, uh, Ben Yedder and Slimani are the best uh, out of Paris Saint-Germain uh, squad. They're, they're the best uh, players. I love Slimani for, mm. you know, uh, he feels football. You know, you, you look at him, he's so tall. And it reminds me a little bit. Remember Jan Kohler, this Czech? Mm. You know, yeah. he looks first. They had big man, little man as well at Monaco, didn't they? Was Milan Baros along? Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Baros played at Lyon. Baros was at Lyon. That yeah. well, Czech yeah. national team. Yeah. But uh, yeah. first look, you, it looks like a clumsy Godzilla or something like that. But uh, <laughs> in ski shoes. <laughs> but uh, but it just feels football when. Um, I, I can't remember the, which game that was, but uh, just sometimes even brilliant passes. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's, uh, he's everything a footballer is. Well, Dave, I know Dave's a big fan of the new duo at Strasbourg now. I am, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I was going to mention that in our roundup as we get towards <laughs> the end of this edition of Le Bourgeois. I'm going to say it now, and Ian, our executive producer, can clip this out so that I look stupid at the end of the season. Majid Waris is going to be the buy of the January transfer window. On loan, it's going to be a €2 million Euro deal in from Porto. The Ghanaian international striker working with Ludovic Ajork, coming in from a wide area. They combined wonderfully for Juarez to score at and they know Another big yesterday. man, small man. Very yeah. much so. And yeah. they're on the charge, aren't they? Uh, Strasbourg, I think they're up yeah. to six. Yeah. Great yeah. run. Mm-hmm. Great yeah. run. And uh, they could qualify for Europe. I, I really like this new style that they've got with... Actually, they've gone the other way around. Whereas I think Robert Moreno now needs to get away from 4-3-3 mm-hmm. to go back to a 4-4-2. Yeah. Strasbourg now look better that Ajork just stays in the middle. Wonderful layoffs. And he's got mobile players Zoe and Waris either side of him. So no, I'm really curious to see how that season will finish off for Strasbourg. Uh, a mad game at Dijon. Uh, Armel last week, working for one of the Ligue 1 programmes, picked out the Englishman Steffi Mavadidi as one to watch. And as always happens, the player Armel picks does brilliantly. Two goals and an assist as uh, Dijon still failed to win because they allowed Nantes to equalise three times in that game. I was out hunting truffles during the game and found loads. But yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a crazy encounter from the, from the sounds of it. I think there was like four goals inside the first half, some injuries and uh, lots of twists and turns. But yeah, Steffi Mavadidi looks... Well, I, as as I was putting that piece together for the Ligue 1 show, um, you kind of go over all the bits of action that he's been involved in. He looks a very handy player, strong, mobile, and and we saw this weekend for perhaps the first time that he's also a, a really clinical finisher. So promising there for Dijon. They've actually got quite a lot of attacking talent now, and I back them to stay up come the end of the season. Their fourth bottom, a point ahead of Nîmes. And they played Paris on Wednesday. In, in the, the cup, cup. yeah. Mm. Uh, a point ahead of Nîmes, who have now won three in a row. Nîmes went to Nice and won, and Nice are so inconsistent, Joachim. They, it looks like they're set for another mid-table season, and we're going to have to wait for this Ineos revolution. Yeah. Um, the I don't know how, how, how did they did the buy a lot of players in the the transfer they window. Bought a few, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, they brought in a. Casper, Alexi Claude Maurice scored his first goal. Their buy from Lorient. It was a nice finish. Casper yeah. Dolberg. In January, they were quiet. Mm. Yeah, I think they brought in a kid from Lausanne. Unas Budawi. They came that in was, as well. Oh, yeah, Stanley yeah. and Soki. Yeah, last summer. That's last summer. Yeah. yeah. No, in January. They oh, January. They sorry. Added yeah. Too much. Yeah. And Soki's been playing a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. Well. He's yeah. good. Budawi was sent off. It was a horrific challenge. Awful. Yeah. Who went on to score before yeah. having to be stretched off? Mm. 
Uh, Bordeaux got only their second win in eight. Remy Udan was on Metz's books as a youngster, and he scored his first goal for Le Girondin. The Croatian midfielder Tomer Basic also scored there. Uh, plenty to look forward to in Ligue 1. I, I haven't really gauged the mood around the table this morning. When Matt's here, we seem to be a lot angrier, but has anyone got a, a coup de girl? Is anyone really angry about something? I'm a little bit angry about games that are advertised at 9 o'clock at kick-off at 9.05. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, it's it's true they are advertised, Dave. But when you get to the ground, there's normally everyone knows the kickoff is at nine oh four, generally. But yeah, it's it's not advertised. Well, I'm not, I'm not so true. angry that I can turn that into a coup de girl. So. I did have a coup de girl, and now I can't remember what it, what it, what it was. So I must have calmed down. I do <laughs> have, I do have moments of, of anger where I want to get something off my chest, but let's not force it. That Paradise yeah. shirt might take a beating. <laughs> Uh, we've all got through Storm Kira, thankfully. Uh, now we can look ahead to uh, next weekend's games. And it's time for us all to take a trip as we go on our voyage. I'm off to Nîmes because, uh, and we were just chatting about the, the small stadiums, the Ajaxia Stadium with the sponsor for the, for the local butcher and the, the people that live in the, the big flats just next door can watch games for free. Well, it's not exactly like that, it's that de Costier, but they are gonna, there are plans for a new stadium down there and it's going to be like uh, no more Stade de Rey. We've got the, the Corsican clubs aren't in Ligue 1 at the moment. So the Stade de Costier, along with maybe, you know, Francis Leblay, they're these sort of clubs are the they're they're the they're the last behemoth monoliths of league one that remain, and uh, so I'll be heading there looking for Nim, who are a team when their crowd gets behind them as well. It's a difficult place to travel. Three wins on the trot for them against an Angers side who is starting to doubt. Look, could be could be fun. See Antonin, uh, Bob Bichon. No, Bob Bichon yeah, yeah, coming back. Yeah, you know? but uh, no, who's there? Briançon. The big central Ontem, defender. Ontem, that Ontem. for me is, that for me is farmers league captain stuff. Fantastic, love him. I think I'll go to Lyon on Sunday to see Lyon Strasbourg. It's an exciting fixture with Lyon needing to bounce back seriously, get their season on track. Strasbourg on the up. I think that could be a, a pretty good watch. And also Rudy Garcia's bald patch is starting to look more and more like the Strasbourg badge. So I think visually that could be something good as well. Wow. Well, I'm going to go to Monaco Montpellier. Well, in fact, I'm going to advise people to go to Monaco Montpellier. I don't know if Tom and Lynn are still in France, but I suggest you head to the Principality because Monaco Montpellier is my tip for Valentine's Day. And you'll have to read Ligan.com, the brand new Ligan.com website later this week to find out why I think that. That's just a teaser. <laughs> Ladies, wow. David Crossan's hotel booking <laughs> budget. <Joking. laughs> Sorry, I'll be in Tampa, Florida. That's a good excuse. For a week. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I think on that note, that's a suitable place to end this edition of Le Beaujeu. Many thanks to Joachim Barbier, Robert Thompson and Arnold Tongi. I'm David Crossan and we'll see you again next week for another edition of Le Beaujeu. Do get in touch with Dan Podcast at gmail.com. Bye for now. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. 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 B